Hello, warriors. Oh, what a time we are in. I just really felt compelled to leave a message here today because a lot of people are being tested and I just wanted to encourage everyone to stay strong and don't let anyone break you because there is so much infiltration and so many attacks online right now and this is what we've been asked to use to keep fighting for this country. For whatever country you are in right now in the world, we're all together. We are all fighting the same fight and it's just incredible the amount of attacks that we are receiving right now, left, right and centre, within the movement, out of the movement um, and that's infiltration. So I just wanted to encourage everybody, stay strong, stay in your purpose, stay in your spirit. Do not let anything break you down. Step up. Be the warrior that you know that you need to be right now. Everyone has a different journey in this war that we're in and, you know, take your place. Pick up your sword, stand strong, put your armor of God on and go for it. Keep going. Do not let anybody kill your spirit. It, it's so easy for this to happen and I'm seeing it happen, especially this week. Um, there's so many people you can share things that you're doing to try and better the world, things that are working, and there's always people that will try and crush this. It's everywhere, and it's very disheartening that it's happening. We have to stick together and have each other's backs, um, ask questions. If you don't understand things, that's fine, but there's a, a moment where sometimes discernment is stronger than anything else. Go within, you know the truth. Sometimes we just have to trust it. Trust the people that you feel the frequency is a positive frequency that you know those people that you can work with and the ones that you can't. And if anyone is crushing your confidence or your journey and your purpose, then they're not the people for you. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to take people out of your group if you feel they're causing upset it's okay. Trust your instinct. Trust yourself. Trust God. He will lead us to where we need to be. And together we can do this. I just know that we can. Amazing things are happening right now in Australia. And it's okay if you don't understand all of it. But read everything that's given to you. Read the evidence. If there's any documents, go through it with a fine-tooth comb until you understand and if you don't, and if there's, if there's meetings that you can attend, if there's questions that you can ask in person, those people that are coming up with the results and the solutions that seem to be working, join those meetings, ask the questions. Because I have met such a beautiful team with such integrity that I trust them now. I've spent the time, I've done the work, I've done the learning, and, and without that, I would not have the trust. Learn what the truth is to you. Stand strong in your truth. Don't ever let anybody crush you or make you not go to a meeting or a park or a gathering where there's like-minded people. They're, they're going to be infiltrated. It's happening. There's paid infiltrators to go to places like Stand in the Park. There's paid infiltrators to go into these groups in Telegram. They're everywhere right now. Just brush them aside. We're stronger than that. 
We are warriors of truth and don't ever forget that. So I just wish you all a beautiful weekend. Stick together, have each other's hearts, you know, um, protect each other, be there for each other. If someone's going through a hard time, knock on their door. Go and have a meal together, ask someone to go for a coffee, sit down. If you're feeling lonely, reach out. We are here for a reason, every one of us, and um, what an amazing time to be alive. Look at the positives. Um, we are part of history, everyone, and um, it's just nothing like we've ever been through before. God bless everybody in this movement, and God bless all the people that I'm surrounded by because I've been led here for a reason, and I'm just going with it. I'm trusting the journey, and I, I hope that you all are too. Mainstream media is dominated by the right and the left. The majority in the middle are left without a voice. You've reached the Conservative Hippie Podcast, a common sense look at life, the universe, and everything. Here's your host, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Thank you for joining me. We are trying to build a community. I don't have followers, I don't have listeners, I have community members. And I want to thank you for being a community member of the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jfrat. You can find me on Telegram at jfrat. Imagine that. I hang out a lot in the Indecent Disclosure channel. That's Emily Johnson's channel. That's my friend on Telegram. And also the Spirit of Edmitos channel on Telegram. We're going to get into this show. Uh, this is part two, uh, episode 97.5 on your podcast dial. We're going to discuss the the second John here to help, a.k.a. Dr. John McGreevy, a.k.a. Ryan Dark White. We're going to discuss the second clip in which he announces the um, victim in 2002 uh, corroborating evidence for his testimony against Mike Pence being a uh, pedophile. Uh, let's be clear about this. Uh, not just a homosexual, not just a bisexual, but a pedophile. Um, he, he names a very early victim of Mike Pence as one Nick Alverdian. And it is a complicated mess from there, because this Nick Alverdian um, has quite a story recently. Uh, but also, in digging on Nick Alverdian, you can uncover what may seem to be corroborating evidence to John here to help Dr. John McGreevy's testimony in those Linwood whistleblower tapes. So we're going to get right to that um, we're going to hear Dr. John McGreevy um, in his entirety, the clip that he released. He references a video. I will also offer um, that video at the end of this podcast done by a truth seeker and John here to help supporter named Ali for Truth. So first, let's get to the man. Let's get to his words so we can hear it from the horse's mouth. And then I'll come back with a little bit of digging and analysis. Hello everyone, John here to help, otherwise known as John McGreevy, U.S. Senate candidate for Maryland. In early 2000, 
January 2000, I was in South Carolina giving depositions to Lynn Wood and his staff. They were being vetted in real time. On one of the videos, deposition, I was talking about Pence. I told everyone on January 6th, 7th, 8th, that first week, that he was not going to certify the election on behalf of President Trump. He wasn't going to do it because he is compromised and controlled. And he is. On the deposition, I gave details about surveillance and about relationships that Pence had had with men and with boys going back to the early 2000s and on up into the official surveillance in 2012, 2013, things like that. At one point, the interviewer asked me point blank, what is this guy's name? We have a good team, we can find him. And I said, I believe his name is Rick. That sounds right. I'd only heard it referred to a couple of times on one of the surveillance tapes. Well, as it turns out, his name is not Rick. His name is Nick. Pretty close. And he's been found. Vice Pedro Pence, excuse me, Vice President Pence, had a relationship with this young boy starting when he was about 14. This person, Nick, actually discusses it because he was already being abused by other state legislatures. He does not refer to Pence as a state legislature because he wasn't. He was federal. He's in the House at the time, in the federal legislature. But the very first time he met him, Pence watched as this child was raped. Because he was not comfortable with the surroundings, didn't know if he would be exposed, he only watched at that time. These people and Pence continued to have a relationship with this child until he got older, when they lost interest. And they promoted him. They pulled strings for him. Got him jobs within government, even at a very early age of 14, 15 years old. They gave him access to other children for them. This guy was 14, 15 years old, already abused. And they gave him access and got him jobs dealing with child welfare in different states so they had access to other children. I discussed this in the Pence or deposition where I said this person had a long-term relationship with him and he started providing children to them. Many survivors of abuse do this, male and female. They have horrible guilt their whole life because of it, where they have been abused so much they will offer other children, friends, acquaintances, whatever, to the abusers just so it doesn't happen to them again because of how hard it is and they know what's going on. They have horrible guilt their whole life because of it. Now this guy, Nick, he's nuts. He's a violent turd. But you really wouldn't expect anything else from someone who was a constant victim himself. Now I gave the deposition January 2020, early. Mr. Wood put the deposition out with my face scrambled a couple weeks afterwards. At the end of January, this guy Nick, who was living under an assumed name in Ireland, announced that he had terminal cancer. First anybody had heard of it. But the story was already out there. The deposition was on the airwaves. January 20th, of course, the election was certified incorrectly. <clears throat> it's because Pence was absolutely controlled. This is no different than somebody standing behind you with a pistol. You're going to say this. 
The jury deliberates and the foreman stands up and there's somebody behind them with a gun saying, you're going to say this or I'm going to blow you away. For Pence, it was, you're going to certify it a certain way or tonight, a tape of you and that boy leaks out because they got him. So, this guy was living under an assumed name from 2018 to 2020. Didn't know that. Had people around President Trump worked with us closer, had they not been so concerned with their job interviews and getting a position after the administration, they would have worked with us and with their resources, we could have found this guy in England. I had enough details. We could have, easily. So we found him now. He faked his death in Ireland. Not England, Ireland, sorry. He faked his death in Ireland, moved to Scotland, and lived under yet another name. Now this guy had multiple passports, multiple names, and a lot of financial support. Nobody wanted him found in January when the election was being certified. He announced a fake death in February, just a couple weeks after the story hit, because nobody looked for a dead guy. Weird timing. Now Pence, in the vice presidential duties of certifying the election, for the first time since about 1930, he changed the language. You can find it online. And added, as everybody says, very carefully worded in there, for the first time in decades, if you read it, it's online. There's actually some online different versions going back decades. He added enough in there to show that he was proceeding on the word of these people from the state who told him that these counts were accurate. Basically what he's saying is it's not my fault. I had no, nothing to do with it. I didn't certify it myself. I'm going on their word. Now in court, I'm not a lawyer, but that fits the definition of hearsay. He's a lawyer, he would know that. He gave himself an out. He was prepared. He thought this information would come out quick. Because the deposition was out there, his whole background was out, he thought it would come out much sooner. So they had the guy kill himself off, and they continued to give him support overseas, money, passports, you name it. The video fills in all the rest. It's all right there. Now, if a confession is beaten out of someone. It has no weight before the court. It's invalid. It has to be reversed and thrown out. I'm not a lawyer. Does that count with the certification? A lot of people in Congress especially say that Biden's the president because the election was certified. Doesn't matter what the states say. Doesn't matter who voted. Doesn't matter anything followed possibly, but and there was. It is it was certified. That's what does it. That's why they can stand up and legitimately say with a smile on their face that the election was perfect. It was certified. He's the president. Well, if there's a guy with a gun behind your head, then it wasn't legitimate. Okay? It's self-preservation. He could have stayed up there and said anything. They could have made him say anything at that point because he knew what would happen that night if he didn't. Videos of him and these boys would come out. He could have stood up there and swore up and down that he was a giraffe. And he would have done it with conviction. Because they can make him say whatever they wanted. Well, that child, Nick, hasn't been found. And he's not holding back. He is upset. He's messed up, as you would expect any you know, violent abuse victim to be. And he's talking out. And because he's been found, we found other victims. Many of them 
in their early 30s now, a couple in their late 20s. But if Pedo Pence, Sugar Tush, wants to do anything about it, I invite him to do so. Take me to court. Let's get in there. Discovery will be epic. And the list of people I put on the stand will not be soon forgotten. Period. Now, can this be used to turn over the election? One would hope. <laughs> but, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be fault. But there it is. Now, since January 2020, people put their faith in me. Mr. Linwood has others. And I did not lie. There it is. It's out now. They were just hiding him overseas under a different name. If the people around Trump, like I said, weren't so concerned with lining up a big, high-paying gig afterwards, he'd still be there. But here we are. So, please listen to the video. It was put together by extremely talented uh, investigation and reporter of uh, A, B, and Q. And they did a great job. There's tons to dig on. Thank you very much. I hope this gives some relief to the people who trusted in me. I did not lie, and there it is. And they have, like, uh, for example, Mr. Wood has been uh, subject to a ton of abuse and challenges to his law license because people didn't like the message. Well, let's do that now. Let's get on the stand. I got some witnesses for you. Period. Thank you again for your time. It all has to come out now. We won't survive another couple years. Thank you again. This is John McGreevy. I'm a U.S. Senate candidate for Maryland. I appreciate your support and whatever you can do to help. We're not holding back anymore. This has to come out. The country will not survive as we're going. All right. Now, John does sound a little gruff in his mannerisms. The man has been uh, tortured nearly to death. Um, and recently even poisoned when he was a Senate candidate in Maryland, um, and most likely because of the information that he has. Remember, he was a member of the Dirty Trick Squad. Uh, go back and review the episodes where I outlined the Linwood whistleblower tapes and Dr. John McGreevy coming out um, as that source. Um, so I'm really worried about him right now, because uh, they poisoned him while he was a Senate candidate, and now he is out free and clear um, without the protection of a Senate race. He did lose his uh, candidacy in the primary um, to be uh, a senator in Maryland. I would like to start by challenging some of the information, and really it's challenging the narrative. Um, and I think it's important that we, we don't always just blindly follow um, these whistleblowers uh, without challenging. So in the narrative, a lot of people uh, put it all on Mike Pence. Mike Pence certified the electors. It's all Mike Pence's fault. Mike Pence alone had the ability to change the election. Now, that's not true. It's just not factually true. As a matter of procedure, he was uh, very instrumental in the certification of uh, the election, and he could have been instrumental in the debate um, of the electors. Now, let's remember how January 6th went down, okay? They were bringing it to the floor to debate 
it got to Arizona. Naturally, it goes um, A to Z. So as it, as it got to Arizona, they paused and they said they were challenging the electors and they were going to be, begin debating the evidence that was presented as to why a, a secondary slate of electors should be chosen. At that very moment, at that very moment, the debate was shut down. The uh, congressman um, and senators, excuse me, maybe and or just senators, they were all whisked away and the Capitol was put on lockdown. At the time, in live time, we were made to believe that it was the breach of the Capitol by the rioters, the January 6th rioters. But in actuality, what stopped the debate, what stopped the challenging of the electors in Arizona were the pipe bombs, the pipe bombs that were placed in the um, Republican and Democratic headquarters in Washington, D.C. That's why that debate, that's why that process was shut down. Then, many hours later, many hours later, after the Capitol was secured, they came back. And instead of having a debate, instead of contesting the electors, all of a sudden, all of them uh, in lockstep, all of them hand in hand, there was no longer a challenge. There was no longer a debate. There was no longer evidence going to be heard of fraud in the election. And they stamped the certification on the election. So Mike Pence was a part of that. However, it was a lot of senators, a lot of our electors that came back um, after that uh, lockdown that had changed their uh, minds or lost the steam of their inquiry. It wasn't just on Mike Pence. I, I thought that was important to interject that at this moment because Dr. John McGreevy does uh, place a lot of responsibility on Mike Pence, but I think it's short-sighted not to see the confluence of events as they happened. He certainly was part of it. Could Mike Pence have um, vigorously uh, opened up the debate and uh, demanded to hear the challenges um, after their little lockdown hiatus? Possibly. But I'm saying there was a lot more involved, a lot more corrupt humans involved than just Mike Pence that day. All right, let's get to the salacious stuff. Let's get to the bombshell news. Um, and that is Dr. John McGreevy has found corroborating evidence um, for his testimony um, in the Linwood whistleblower tapes where he calls out Mike Pence as a pedophile, um, as a blackmailed, captured asset as vice president of the United States. Um, he, is, he is pointing out um, in his testimony, in his uh, sworn testimony, the Linwood whistleblower tapes, he says he thinks that the young man um, from 20 years ago, his name was Rick. Well, now, come to find out, after the investigators uh, did their searches, it's come back that his name was Nick. And John McGreevy is pointing to Nick Alverdian as the very person that was traumatized and captured at the age of 14, molested, raped, however you want, whatever term you want to call it, at the age of 14. And then he was brought in into this world of favors, this dark world of blackmail, this dark world of pedophilia.
John mentions um, a video in his testimony. It was a video by Ali for Truth. I'm going to have a link to that video in uh, the show notes. All, all you ever have to do is go to theconservativehippie.com. That's where all the shows are located and also the show notes. This show is most likely going to be a podcast, audio only. Um, Ali for Truth has a very good video where she dives into Nick Alverdian. I am going to uh, play that video at the end of this podcast, uh, most likely audio only. Um, so again, if you want to see that video, uh, you can go to the show notes and I will link it there. But I am going to dive into Nick Alverdian uh, with my own research first, and then we will also present Ali for Truth. So as we begin, there is a caveat that I want to start out with, and that is um, a lot of the uh, narrative describes the origins of Nick Alverdian as a 14-year-old um, getting very involved in Rhode Island politics. And I've seen pictures of 14-year-old Nick Alverdian, and let's just say he doesn't look like a 14-year-old. Also, at what point do you know of 14-year-olds who are uh, surrounded by and getting heavily involved in state politics with not only state representatives, but then congressmen? It uh, just seems very odd. So I just want to point that out uh, as we start this narrative. Because Nick Alverdian is a very real person, um, uh, most likely a dastardly uh, fellow, um, accused of crimes including rape and fraud uh, from Utah to Ohio to Rhode Island, uh, moved to the UK, uh, as John Here to Help says, shortly after John's whistleblower tapes came out. Um, to the UK, presented himself with a with a diagnosis of cancer, married a woman, um, and then a week later died. Uh, at least that's the narrative that they would present. But he didn't die; it was a fake death. Um, and then about a year later, um, in January 2021, uh, it was discovered he was in a Glasgow, Scotland hospital, suffering from COVID. Um, uh, nearing a vent ventilator status, and they discovered that this was indeed not some guy named Arthur Knight, but Nick Alverdian. Um, and that's when this story gets very interesting, because uh, now recently, uh, John here to help has come across this name, seen the gentleman, has pointed him out as this gentleman that was around Mike Pence at the age of 14, so around 2002, and Mike Pence, as John here to help says, Dr. John McGreevy, watched as he was raped and then developed a relationship with this young man. And this young man, uh, Nick Alverdian, introduced him to younger and younger boys as Nick Alverdian uh, became older. Uh, I would also like to point out that it was in an interview, I believe, on the Stu Peters show where uh, Dr. John McGreevy points out that they know of a person named Jeremy um, that is also a victim of Mike Pence, and he states um, they know Jeremy and they know where he lives. And so to tie this together, Nick Alv uh, Jeremy would be one of these boys that Nick Alverdian introduced to Mike Pence. 
and I appreciate that with all of this is wildly fantastic. It's crazy. It pushes the bounds of common sense. However, we have followed this trail now on the Conservative Hippie Podcast with each step, and we've verified and corroborated evidence. Dr. John McGreevy, you can question his motives. You can question whether or not he's lying. But he's a real person standing up with his hand up making sworn testimony. And now we've got a person to tie into his sworn testimony. Nick is still in Glasgow, Scotland. He is fighting extradition. Another rape allegation was made. So now I believe he's wanted on two rapes in Utah around the 2010 time frame. But there's a tweet. And before I get to that tweet that I want to share that is that is very odd in the way that it corroborates Dr. John McGreevy's storyline and his testimony, all right? I want you to go ahead and hang on after I'm done. We'll play Allie for Truth and her video. She digs into Nick Alverdian. And please, go to theconservativehippie.com. Click on the links. I've got uh, links to a Daily Mail article. I've got links to Allie for Truth, her video. I've got links to Dr. John McGreevy's Telegram channel, okay? We're just here trying to report on this. Because the major thing from my perspective is as I've followed this and we've corroborated Dr. John McGreevy, a real person, real credibility within his whistleblowing, all right? Why is this not on the front page of the New York Post, on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox? Why aren't they discussing this on CNN? I mean, shoot, Mike Pence is a Republican. Why aren't they after to get him? It is so bizarre. The most bizarre part of this story from my perspective is just how silent the media is, how controlled the media is, how this is just squashed and silenced. When Think about it. If they're just after clicks, this story would get clicks all over the Internet, all over social media. But instead, John McGreevy's out there standing alone in a parking lot, just waving his hand, giving sworn testimony. It's independent independent media sources like this, the conservative hippie podcast, that have, that have found this trail, picked it up, and reporting on it. It is absolutely bizarre. More bizarre than the story is how bizarre it is, the silence. And that's what freaks me out. That's what freaks me out in this Matrix world, where... Is it really that corrupted and that controlled that this story isn't being disseminated and worked on on a national scale from journalists that are out, that their job is journalism? My job is not journalism. I'm just a dude. I'm just a truth seeker trying to follow interesting stories and share them with you. How is it that if your job, wouldn't this be a make-or-break article? Isn't this the type of article you'd expect to see in the Rolling Stone? Who cover page. Mike Pence, potential pedophile. Details inside, right? How, how is that? That is what the most bizarre part of the story is to me. All right, so Ali for Truth digs into it. I just want to share with you the tweet. So this Twitter account was set up by Nick Alverdian's wife. At the time, they're posing that she's the uh, widowed wife, right? Because he fakes his own death. 
So they create a Twitter account in memorial to Nick Alverdian, the great Nick Alverdian. Yes. In that, she responds to a uh, another uh, tweet, and the, this is the tweet, I shit you not. And I quote, After that, we will also be releasing details about the state representative that raped my husband in 2002 while another legislator watched, and also how nearly the entire at ProJo articles are false without documents for proof and can be independently verified. Louise Alverdian. So he literally just confirms the testimony of Dr. John McGreevy right there um, as a story. Now, I will say that it's all set up to be this giant circle jerk, and I want to say why. I want to tell you why. From the moment that this guy, Nick Alverdian, at 14, at 34, wherever along the story you want to place him, he is wildly... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He is not credible. He is a criminal. He came out as a bad seed. Now, from his sad story, uh, it's most likely from familial abuse and then abuse within the foster care system. I do not know how he became close with so many people. He's pictured um, uh, in his teens with like the Providence uh, mayor. Uh, he knows many state representatives in Rhode Island. But... But this is the type of person that would become from ritualistic and horrendous sexual and physical abuse at a young age. This is the type of person that someone like that would become. And it is strange the way he was almost protected um, throughout the years. Where was he getting his income? Things like that. People have investigated. It's a bizarre story. And I'm worried that it's all going to come down to the word and credibility of Nick Alverdian, where there is none, where you have, uh, you could just say he's a he's a criminal. So, in the end, these accusations, uh, maybe that's why nobody will touch this story with a ten foot pole, is because eventually Nick Alverdian uh, would have to come out as uh, a victim of his own even though he's victimized people as he's become an adult. However, why wouldn't people follow the storyline of the young boys that Nick Alverdian supposedly, allegedly, introduced to Mike Pence, this character named Jeremy? I have a feeling we're not done with this story. I have a feeling there's more to this story. I am trying for you I am trying to get Dr. John McGreevy on this podcast where I can pin him down. I can ask him some very important questions that I have. So stay tuned. This might not be the last show we do on Dr. John McGreevy. I'm going to fire up Alley for Truth right now. Again, this is a video. Uh, this is only, uh, My podcast is going to be an audio-only podcast. If you'd like to watch her video, uh, she displays a lot of evidence, including this tweet by the Nick Alverdian Memorial Twitter account. Um, uh, you can go to theconservativehippie.com, click the link, and it'll take you to her YouTube show. All right. Peace. Nicholas Oliverdian, also known as Nicholas Rossi, 
also also known as Nicholas Oliverdian Rossi, Nicholas Edward Rossi, Nicholas Oliverdian hyphen Rossi, Nick Allen, Nicholas Brown, Arthur Brown, and Arthur Knight. Nick for short. Nick has really been making the rounds recently in the mockingbird media mess that calls itself news. It was recently discovered that the 34-year-old booked it to the UK and faked his own death in order to escape multiple charges of rape, fraud, and other crimes in several states. He was arrested in Scotland after being admitted to a Glasgow hospital for urgent treatment for COVID. We're going to take a closer look into this story and see just how Nicholas Oliverdian's narrative connects to some particularly prominent politicians, one in particular. And then we'll revisit a specific section of the deposition given by senatorial candidate Jonathan McGreevy to the office of Mr. Linwood and see where this piece of the Nicholas Edward Allen Arthur Brown Knight puzzle might fit into the bigger picture. Jack and Diana Alaverdian married in 1984 and started a family in Rhode Island. Nicholas was born in 1987 and two siblings followed. There are no baby pictures of little Nicky to be found, so this is the closest I could get. Jack Oliverdian was an abusive alcoholic who was arrested multiple times for violent acts of domestic abuse, selling blow, and writing bad checks. Diana divorced him in 1990, and six years later, she married David Rossi. Diana met David at a bar where she waited tables. He was the entertainment at the bar, Rhode Island's finest Engelbert Humperdinck impersonator. <laughs> I guess there were already too many Elvis impersonators in that area to eke out a living. Too many Elvi, which is the plural of Elvis. In actuality, David Rossi's career is quite impressive. He's traveled the world as a Humperdinck tribute act, and he was so good at it that the real Engelbert Humperdinck whose real name is Arnold Dorsey, was such a fan that he would come and watch him perform, and they became good friends. Here's Diana with both Engelberts, lucky gal. Here's the real Engelbert with Nicholas and his siblings sometime in the 90s. And here's the original Engelbert Humperdinck, a German composer. Nicholas was nine years old when his mother married Rossi. He was a violent child and was admitted to several psych hospitals. His own stepfather said of him, he was very manipulative as a child. Everything had to be his way. He was evil from day one. He was wicked. He is sick. David and Diana divorced in 2002, and that was the last time Nick saw his stepfather for many years. His mother was far too unstable to care for him and his younger brother and sister, so they were sent into the foster care system, the DCYF. Nicholas alleged that he suffered horrible abuse and negligence within Rhode Island's social system, and in 2011, he unsuccessfully sued them in federal court, along with six residential facilities, two other states, and 18 individuals. The state waived his $200,000 medical expense debt, and Oliverdian dropped the lawsuit. That same year, in 2002, at the age of 14, Nick landed a job as a general assembly page and legislative aide. Starting that March and for the next 15 months, he was placed in a program where he would spend his days at a DCYF building and his nights at one of several shelters around Rhode Island. 
Meanwhile, 14-year-old Nick was getting noticed at his job with the Rhode Island House of Representatives. He met and charmed many politicians, including Brian Coogan, who represented the state's 64th district. Coogan was so enamored of Nick and so touched by his stories of the abuse he allegedly suffered while in state care that he decided to adopt him. Nick begged him to be a part of his family, he says. The adoption proceedings were all but final until family court chief judge Jeremiah S. Jeremiah warned him off, claiming young Nicholas would undermine him and wreak wreck havoc on the rest of his family. Plenty of lawmakers took pity on the poor kid who allegedly overcame adversity to become so successful. Coogan stated that Oliverdian charmed his way into the state house and hobnobbed with the region's most important politicians. He made friends with the governor, the speaker of the house, and here he is with then mayor of Providence, Bob De Silva. He was around the most powerful people in Rhode Island, Coogan said, and people don't understand how he managed to be around these powerful people. In this story from the Daily Mail, the headline mentions Coogan as his almost adopted father, and also the fact that Oliverdian schmoozed with Mike Pence. Now, it's understandable why Brian Coogan is mentioned in this article, but why Mike Pence? Where does Pence fit into the Oliverdian story? Stay with me. At age 15, Nick quit his job as a page and started a nonprofit to help wards of the state. At that time, he was also placed in both Manatee Palms, a psychiatric hospital in Florida, and Boys Town in Nebraska. Boys Town, eh? No scandals there. In 2008, Oliverdian raped a woman, doxed her publicly, and then sued her. After the case was thrown out, he joined the radical men's activist group, A Voice for Men, and blamed his victim for ruining his life in a piece he wrote entitled My Personal 9-11. He would create fake social media accounts in order to slander his victims and further damage their lives. Real psychopath. Later that year, he moved to Utah and raped another woman. Then he went back to Rhode Island and continued his crime spree, committing domestic and sexual assault, violating protective orders, and conning people out of their money. It's reported that in November of 2010, Nick married a young woman and instantly became abusive. She left him after only a few months and filed a restraining order. He married again, and this gal divorced him in 2017 for the same reasons, leaving her with an unpaid loan of $52,000. The young lady from Ohio he met at a Mormon singles bash. Nick, the professed devout Catholic, marries a woman from the Latter-day Saints unheard of. Fake. Nicholas claims to be Harvard educated. Well, kinda. He went to an extension school, took a bonus class, and claimed an Ivy League education. He definitely did not graduate from Harvard. In fact, he was erased from their books altogether as a result of his dirty deeds. Another fake. He opened up more than 20 credit cards in the name of one of his foster parents to the tune of $200,000, pretended to be somebody else was no big deal for him. It was after he felt the heat from that incident that he fled overseas, faked his death, and created a new character, Nick Brown, a.k.a. Arthur Knight. Not a super imaginative alias. Arthur Knight was a famous DJ in the United States. Which state? Rhode Island. 
There was never any death certificate produced for Nicholas Oliverdian, so he is being charged with the crimes because he is alive. The authorities know he faked his own death in order to escape punishment for his money crimes, so they're moving forward with the charges. In December of 2021, just six months ago, Arthur got the COVID and went on a ventilator at Queen Anne's Hospital. Interpol got a tip-off, and between the tattoo matching and the DNA samples matching, they confirmed it. Arthur Knight is Nicholas Oliverdian. In January of 2020, Nick reported that he had been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin lymphoma and had just weeks to live. He saturated the media with reports of his faux illness, insisting the outlets spread his propaganda far and wide so he could set up the story. He did have some ins in the media, too. Bob Kerr of the Providence Journal wrote this butt-smooching article praising a then-23-year-old Nick and proudly proclaiming him a friend of his. Kerr's fawning over him and reporting every sensational story Nick fed him as fact, simply for that wow factor, no fact-checking. Sensationalism at its finest. Just a few weeks later, an email from the important-sounding yet non-existent Oliverdian family office, broke the news of Nick's fake death. A news reporter from WPRO said Nick had passed after a long battle with cancer. Two months is a long battle. A woman claiming to be Nick's spouse, Louise, called reporters in the U.S. to let them know of the sad fake death. Some believe Oliverdian used a voice-changing machine to portray her, Others think it's his character, Arthur Knight's imaginary better half, Miranda. Miranda, who claims to have been with Artie for 10 years, must have forgotten that their marriage certificate is dated 2-22-20. Even if this janked-up document didn't look like some Loretta Fuddy-grade counterfeit, how unfortunate for Miranda that she became a widow just one week after their alleged union. Some sources say no family or friends attended their wedding. Others say Miranda's brother, Kevin, was best man. It's not too difficult to figure out where Oliverdian conjured up the name Louise. Look at Miranda's middle name. When he thought of Miranda, he was probably thinking about his right to remain silent. As a profession, you can see he lists public relations consultant. From Ireland, posing as Arthur Knight, Nick used that title to scam a Quebec businesswoman out of $40,000 to help grow her brand. Canadian food writer and television personality Nafsika Antipas said she paid him $7,500 a month and got zero results. She also said he'd fabricated a fake red-headed wife and two family dogs. The dogs somehow turned into children by the time the obituary is released. Ay, ay, ay. And why Ireland, Nick? Of all the places in the world to escape, why there? You have no Irish heritage on either side. You're Armenian. It was a big cause for you. Remember, you even put up a page. And just look at that following. But no, Coogan is Irish. Did you bogart that from him? Or might one or more of the politicians you rubbed uh, elbows with have a connection to the Emerald Isle? the land of saints and scholars, I'd give ten pence to find out. Wait, in Ireland, is it pence or shilling? I always get pence and shilling mixed up. Silly old alley for truth.
Might there be a treason? Oops. <clears throat> Reason. Pence opted out of staying in Dublin as the guest of Irish leaders in the capital in 2019 and instead flew back and forth in Air Force Two across Ireland to spend nights in the small village of Dunebeg, where his great-grandmother grew up. Pence is a frequent visitor to Old Ire and has been since his boyhood when he helped his cousin run a bar in Dunebeg. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Ireland, Pence, Dublin, Oliverdian, Connect Four. Pretty sneaky, sis. Speaking of that tribute page to his fight for Armenia, why this profile pic? And why this one on his tribute page? No photos of his beloved wife and two dog children. Not one photo on any social media. Why not? Here's the nearly 1,000-word obituary Nicholas wrote for himself in love letter form. According to this dog roll, at the side of his deathbed stood his long-suffering wife of one week, along with their two dog children and extended family. In Scotland? Upon Nick's request, composer Alan Silvestri's score to the 1997 Jodie Foster film Contact played in the background as he choked out his last dying words, Fear not, and run to the bliss of the sun. Cut and scene. Rhode Island State Police Major Robert Kramer told NBC10 News, This is movie stuff. Stuff you would see in a movie. His stepfather knows Arthur is Nick. His almost adoptive father knows it's him. Even his own former attorney knows. It's not too difficult. No plastic surgery was done. Nick just doubled his weight, put on some James Joyce glasses, and adopted the worst British accent since Madonna. It seems this Miranda person is his caregiver, and they're not doing so shabby. After he tried to escape the Glasgow hospital, he was somehow released on bail to his $250,000 flat. How was he affording this? Who's paying his bills? In his autobiographical obituary, Nick, as Louise, again claims devout Catholicism. No devout Catholic would have their ashes scattered at sea. The Vatican did lift the ban on cremation in the 60s, but the truly devout understand that not burying those ashes is a big no-no. Everything is fake. Even the oxygen tank is a prop. The Twitter memorial page has been deserted since last year. There are some very interesting clues he drops as Louise, but none so much as this one. After that, we will also be releasing details about the state representative that raped my husband in 2002 while another legislator watched. In his self-published book, Dreading and Hoping All, Nick describes being assaulted by being held against the wall with one hand tightly gripping his neck as his feet dangled below. In McGreevy's deposition, he talks about leverage. On page six, he says there was leverage on Mike Pence because of surveillance from way back in the 2013 range. He talks about Operation Run Silent, Run Deep, a core group consisting mainly of Pence, Rosenstein, and Paul Ryan, who hated President Trump for taking what they each believed was their rightful place as president or vice president. When asked further about the dirt on Pence, McGreevy explains that Mr. Evangelical has had homosexual relationships over the course of his political career, all throughout the time he was in Congress. Once he became governor, he felt freer to explore that. John talks about two recordings of Pence, with young men in particular, being used as leverage. 
One kid was about half his age, and they had a fairly steady relationship. This other young man began bringing others with him, introducing them as, this guy's 17, but really he's 15. He's 15, but really he's 13. And they just got younger and younger. That is the leverage on pimps. That's the dirt. And it's how they've controlled him all these years. In this 2002 Providence Journal article, 14-year-old Nicholas Oliverdian refers to the dark, uncertain part of his life as boot camp. It has taught him things and prepared him. I don't think I've been harmed at all, he says. I think it's all part of a plan that's been assigned to me for upcoming events. Hmm. Hey, Nick, here's an upcoming event. And once you're extradited back here to the States, let's get you up on the stand and see what you know. Let's be friends. We're all on this cosmic spaceship together. Subscribe and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Visit our sponsors, SmokeAndJays.com. Everything for your smoking lifestyle. StonerHoroscopes.com. Adora Zen dishes cosmic vibes for the stoner at heart. KickFromTheSpot.com. Soccer is American.